Welcome to On Target, the local search association's podcast exploring the intersection of technology, media, and local commerce. This edition of On Target is brought to you by the Tech Adoption Summit. The summit takes place November 7th at the Laundry in San Francisco. The summit brings together companies building cloud software products for the small business market to learn, network, and find solutions to the industry's biggest challenges. This event is presented by the LSA's Tech Adoption Index, a business intelligence service tracking the small business shift to the cloud. For more information on the event and the service, please visit techadoptionindex.com. Hi, this is Charles Laughlin from the LSA's Tech Adoption Index. In this week's podcast, I talked to Mark Cannon, who is a veteran of the local search, local commerce, selling digital stuff to small businesses world. And uh, we had a great conversation a few weeks back that I wanted to try to recreate in some fashion on the podcast. And for those of you who don't know Mark, he's currently CEO of Boomtime, which is a company that uh, produces what they call word of mouth optimized, or actually that's my summary of it, uh, websites for small businesses. But Mark goes way back in the local and SMB world, having done stints at Haibu, Autobytel, AOL, and going further back, he was one of the founders of Switchboard, which was one of the original sort of online yellow pages that emerged uh, in the early days of the internet. So Mark and I uh, caught up a little bit and mainly talked about what I'm working on these days, which is the Tech Adoption Index, which is measuring this movement to the cloud by small businesses to use cloud-based software to run their full operation from the front office to the back office and sort of hear his point of view on how that adoption takes place and really what the friction points are and how difficult it is. And I think it's good to get different voices onto the podcast talking about the challenges involved in uh, in moving small businesses to the cloud because uh, while we think the opportunity is huge and the upside is tremendous, it's, it's not without friction, it's not without difficulty as our conversation today illustrates. So let's get right to it and I hope you enjoy it. Thanks. Mark, how are you today? I'm good. Good, good to good. see you. So, <laughs> how do you like it down there? It's nice, actually. It's a beautiful landscape. Actually, my son's heading that way uh, next week because he's going to be doing some college visits down there. Uh, hey, oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, that's not why we're chatting today. Um, yeah. The reason is, uh, you know, we had a great conversation a couple weeks back where we kind of talked a little bit about all the challenges and really effectively going to market with a small business, uh, bringing them, enabling them with digital tools. What are the, you know, it sounds great, but it's really hard to do. And right. we, we kind of went through a lot of the challenges involved in that. And I thought it'd be fun to try to recreate some of that discussion here in a yeah. our podcast. And so uh, just for everyone's purpose, you, you go way back to um, switchboard, which I remember, uh, was that the nineties? I can't even remember. <laughs> Early two thousands, and uh, it, was, it was March. Of, it was March of nineteen ninety six, actually. Okay, so it does go back to the nineties. So the late nineties, the post grunge yeah. era, and then, um, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, which was sort of one of the original online yellow pages directories, for like yep. to put it simply. Uh, you've done some stints at AOL, Autobytel, Haibu for quite a while. Mm-hmm. So you, yeah. I got some bruises from trying to figure out how to. You get a lot of bruises from trying to figure out how to go to market with a small business. Well, yeah, my, one way to do it that I sometimes describe it to people is, uh, you know, I've used more of uh, other people's money to learn things than pretty much anybody else. 
<laughs> well, you know, what's done is done, right? Um, yeah. So at any rate, and now you're with Boom Time. So just yeah. take a minute and talk about Boom Time. And also, maybe if it makes sense, how it fits into the progression of, of your career of learning how to Yeah, so I think that, you know, they, it does fit into it. You know, I mean, what we did at, at Yale, which became Haibu, was we figured out how to basically decompose, you know, parts of a, a good agency experience and, and, and basically bring that to small business customers. And uh-huh. in the process of doing that, we built a bunch of platforms that automated a lot of that stuff, you know, uh, uh, SEM marketing, uh, you know, website development in order to basically take, you know, further costs out. And really what we do at, at boom time is kind of the two or three generations past that to be honest with you but the primary thing that we do is we manage conversations for small businesses if you think about you know what happens with a small business today the people that they're trying to reach are so inundated they're so blasted with uh, you know with messages of one sort or another it's very difficult for a business to really tell its story and get across you know at the most basic level its products and services but at a more you know granular level from a kind of branding standpoint, what they stand for, who they, who they, you know, you know, what the business is really about. Mm-hmm. And that's how people make, up, make their decisions about businesses, you know, I mean, so we call it word of mouth marketing, you mm-hmm. know, because basically what we're doing is we're amplifying the signal, sig- symbol, signals, excuse me, you know, that, you know, that small businesses get from people in their local communities who, who recommend them to, you know, to other people in those communities. And, and we do it by, you know, we have built this pretty sophisticated, uh, um, what we call, you know, conversational marketing, you know, model that allows us to take a business through about a two hour long intake, uh, you know, that, that they would pay a lot of money to an ad agency for and probably wouldn't get as much information as we get. Mm-hmm. And then build a, a, you know, a structure that allows us to, you know, create content for them on an ongoing basis, build a website that maps to that, help them capture contact information for people that go to their website and basically, you know, build long-term relationships with consumers. Mm-hmm. Now you've taken a, you've kind of selected a few key verticals. How did that uh, evolve? How did, talk about those and, and how you ended up with those. Yeah, well, so, I mean, when we originally started out doing this, you know, I mean, the history of Boomtime is, you know, it's been around for about 10 years, and it started out in the spa and salon space. Mm-hmm. And Bill Weiss, who was the founder, you know, figured out a very clever way to build a, 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 a you know, a very low-cost um, instant gift certificate product mm-hmm. and then evolve the platform into a, into a promotions platform, a pretty sophisticated promotions platform mm-hmm. that allowed small is to build what we call layered promotions, you know, package promotions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what we, what we, you know, when we started doing the, the work that we're doing now, what we realized was that actually our more natural customer, uh, you know, was somebody where the consideration cycle was fairly long and needed some explanation. Right. Mm-hmm. And so when you, you know, so when you look at, you know, what we do, we do a lot of work in the recruiting space. We do a fair amount of work in the fundraising space and the verticals that we concentrate on are more professional services oriented verticals mm-hmm. or people who are basically, you know, uh, making an evaluation because they've got a more complex or higher impact problem to solve than somebody who's trying to figure out, can I get a discount on an oil change? Right. Right. We still do the discounts on oil changes, you know, but a right. lot of our business, now, you know, is is with longer cycle, higher value, more complex decisions. Mm-hmm. Okay. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, yeah. So let's kind of move into some of these bigger picture issues that uh, we were talking about last time. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, you know, I'm running this thing called the Tech Adoption Index, and what we've done is we've, you know, 
fielded a couple waves of, of sur uh, survey research where we've asked small businesses, you know, what tools you're, you're moving to the cloud. Uh, yeah. We want to understand that throughout the full operation of the business, not simply the front end sales and marketing piece that we've all sort of traditionally focused right. on, uh, but also sort of through the middle and the back of the office to see how those all are connected if, you know, to the degree that they are. And also uh, to understand why they're doing this and then also to understand whether there's an opportunity for uh, pulling that all together into one place. And then sure. also what channels they're going to market, what channels are, are, are they doing this through? And yeah. what we've discovered, at least from the survey data that we've uh, done, is that there is, you know, the adoption is still early days, but it's, um, it's moving along. And, the, you know, if you add sort of what they've done to what they're going to do, we're getting into, you know, the teens in terms of adoption. And then you look into certain firmographics, that's much higher numbers. Um, you certainly are, we're certainly seeing much more DIY um, customer acquisition in the software world than what we, we experienced sort of in the marketing uh, world. And then, uh, and then also demand for full stack, uh, it, at least on paper, appears to be there. About 50% say, yeah, bring it all to me in one place. Uh, and, and the one other thing we learned is that there is a high perceived um, gap between uh, the small businesses' tech, uh, I guess, um, capability and the national brand's tech capability, and they feel that mm -hmm. they're at a disadvantage. So those are things that we've unearthed from this. Yeah. And they sort of supported our high-level going-in hypotheses. Yeah. Does that, all that feel right here, or does some of that feel a little too easy to you? So we well, you know, Charlie, we, we talked about this before. You, yeah. we, you know, one of the I have a somewhat contrarian point of view. Right. Around. That's why we're here. <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, I mean, look, I mean, I've been building software for 25 years for small businesses, mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, and one of the things that I've learned is that, is that it is, it is a lot easier to conceive of a piece of software and to build it than it is to have it effectively used by a small business or anybody. I mean, the example that we talked about was Microsoft Word, where right. we probably, you know, historically used 3% of the functionality, never built a macro in our lives, you know, right, et cetera. Right, right. But they, but they kept basically adding more features and functionality, right? And so, I mean, I think that, you know, that one of the central problems that, you know, that, that this kind of, you know, adoption curve has, you know, is that basically, uh, you, know, um, you know, people actually have to have a mental model of how they're going to use this stuff, mm -hmm. and they have to actually be able to integrate it into the workflow of their daily activities. Mm -hmm. And that's that's a challenging thing for small businesses, you know, and, right. you know, you remember when we talked that I said, you know, my, my, my experience in this and my personal belief is that really what you really want to do is solve the biggest problem with one product, you know, and then get them to basically adopt the next one. Because if you sell them a, a whole stack of products, what's going to happen is they're very likely to fail in a bunch of those because they can't, you know, they can't put the time and energy necessary to basically carry it through to the end. Okay, I adopt the software, I know how it works, I then try to put it into practice, I try to put it into my business, you know, and I see the measurable results right. at the end. That's a pretty long journey. Yeah, but that's not an argument against the full stack, but it's just suggesting a, a longer path to that end, essentially. Uh, I, think that that, I think that that's true, and I think one of the things that I was trying to, to, to articulate to you before is that, you know, one of the things that we've learned, you know, and, and part of it is through primary research because we survey and talk to people, mm -hmm. you know, that are, 
end recipients of our of our of our clients is that is that one of the big kind of underlying factors in adoption or engagement with the business is is risk mitigation. Okay. Mm-hmm. Notion that basically I don't really I you know I if I'm a client of a of a of a digital marketing platform I want to control my dialogue with that platform from the sales aspect mm-hmm. from the training aspect okay and the same thing is true for for end consumers of those businesses and so you know one of the things that's happening here is that there's a tremendous amount of management of risk because people don't want to feel stupid they don't want to be stuff that they don't really understand or don't want to buy you know so there's this you know this risk arbitrage thing is kind of floating around it's kind of the elephant in the room Right. And so, you know, a lot of what we've seen is, is that is that basically, you know, businesses, first of all, you know, and you talked a little bit about kind of the sales stuff. They really don't want to talk to people who sell this kind of stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the reasons why freemium products have done as well as they have is because there's very, very, you know, it's a granular risk mitigation model mm-hmm. where somebody can they can kick it around. And, and, and if they if they fail at it, they it's don't free. have yeah feel bad about themselves. Right, right. Right? Exactly. If you turn it out of the product, there's no no harm, no problem. Exactly. And I mean, you know, I can't emphasize how important that is in terms of the way that at least the people that we talk to, you know, look at this stuff. It's, it's very interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, the other thing I would say, you know, is that, is that basically, and this was one of the things that you and I talked about is that look, I mean, you know, I don't think that it's the case that small businesses can't understand the functionality of the products that they're building, particularly the whole stack ones, but they really have a different time basically actually making them work in their business on two levels. One is they have to get everybody else in their business to use them on a consistent basis in order for them to work. Right. Right. And the other one is, is that there's a lot more integration than anybody's willing to, you know, uh, willing to admit. Okay. You know, I talk integration that isn't happening that needs to happen. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Between these products. Right. So, I mean, it's like, you know, a lot of, a lot of conversations you have with these people eventually get to Zapier. Right. Okay. You know, cause we all like put the hooks in between this and in between that. I'll give you an example of this. Right. So a lot of the marketing and sales that we're doing right now, we actually do through LinkedIn. Okay, mm-hmm. and we've gotten pretty good at using this kind of range of tools to basically communicate with and engage customers through LinkedIn in the verticals that we're operating in, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not simple, and one of the things that's really not simple about it is there's no single piece of software that actually does all of the different things, right? So you've got your CRM system, your, you know, so we use Pipedrive, we use all these, you know, we use Pipedrive, we use our own email platform, we use two or three different tools, you know, that sit on top of Sales Navigator, you know, and it's complicated, right? You know, and and even we, and we're a tech organization, it's Mm -hmm. painful. Yeah, and yeah. so if you're a small business, you know, figuring out how to like make all these things really work together well is really quite challenging, right? right. Both at the I'm going to move all my bookkeeping to Recurly, for example, mm-hmm. to the now I'm going to hook Recurly up to my, you know, to just something as as simple as QuickBooks, right? Right. All right. And, 
it's 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 not easy. I mean, and that you know that basically speaks to like the okay, well, you should just get a full stack product, you know, and and have it all you know have it all work out for you. But you know, I think what people don't understand is that what you're doing is you're replacing the guy who did your bookkeeping. You're replacing the person who did your HR. You're right. replacing the person who did your digital marketing. And and what you're what, what you're you know, and, and every one of those people actually has a lot of expertise and right. a lot of knowledge. Right. So, but also, that's an attractive idea, though, to replace all of those people. Oh, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) No, it's hugely attractive. You know, it's just harder than it than it looks, and so it takes you back to that, you know, that risk mitigation thing, right? Right. I mean, we, you know, we have deliberately built an architecture that, you know, in terms of managing our business, that revolves around almost exclusive use of cloud-based products, Mm -hmm. right? So our bookkeeping, our accounts receivable, all of our marketing, you know, our website platforms, even the stuff that we built, we put into the cloud, right? Right. And, and all of those things have to be integrated together. And we're pretty knowledgeable about it, you know, and it's, and it's still hard. If you're a small business, it's a lot harder. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. So, so going back to your original point, which was that, um, you know, the path to the full, you know, with your integration point accepted, the path there is do this one thing well, and then, you know, that trust that you build will allow you to add on to that. Have you seen anyone do that well? You know, probably the people who've done it the best are QuickBooks, mm-hmm. you know, you know, because basically, you know, you start out with a QuickBooks basic setup. It right. takes you, you know, six months to figure it out and get all the data in it and, you mm-hmm. know, figure it out your journaling and the rest of that stuff, you know, and, and after a year, you know, you're, you're an expert and you've got, and so then, you know, you look at their HR solution, mm-hmm. you know, or the, the payroll solution and right. it's kind of like, well, you know, it sits on top of it and I know how it works. And so, you know, but think about the, the amount of time, right. You know, right. that, you know, that, the, the, you know, because you really have to, and it, it goes back to this risk mitigation thing. So you're you know, in about a 18-month cycle there, really. So that's probably a good estimate. And these are really high-impact decisions, right? Sure. So these are decisions where basically if you screw it up, you know, it's going to be painful for you, right? right? You know, and so so it is – I do think that that is kind of the logical path in these things, you know, right. it, you know because you just can't learn everything at once. And these all-in-one packages – I mean, look, they sound right from a software point of view, but, you know, the, you know, the, in practice, uh, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it, it just increases the risk to level. Where yeah. a lot of small can't do it. Well, a lot of the argument for these all in ones, and I won't necessarily, well, I'm not sure who, whose name I would name specifically for this argument, but the argument being that kind of to your point about Microsoft word only using 3% of the functionality that, um, insight will lead to a full stack solution that says these don't have to be the best of each because people underuse the functionality anyway. They simply have to be sufficient for each and they have to be integrated. I think that's true, but I also think that there's a difference here, which is that, um, is that we all know how to use a typewriter. Okay. And at the end of the day, those of us of a certain age, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right, okay. Yeah. But, but basically, it all are keyboards. Yeah, I know. I'm just, okay. And so, at the end of the day, that's kind of like the you know that's the opening. That's the ante into mm-hmm. Microsoft Word. So if you can if you can use a keyboard, you can use a product, right? Right. When you look at an accounts receivable package, 
you know, you know, it's a lot more complex, right? right. And so, so I, 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 I agree with you in the sense that basically, look, I mean, you know, if these products were all as good as mint, okay, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you know, I mean, as elegantly and thoughtfully designed as mint, you know, because mint does a wonderful job of basically identifying what's really important, okay, mm-hmm. uh, and, and making it really easy to do that thing. Okay. Okay. You know, and so they kind of have to follow that, you know, that, that model. You know, the problem is, is that all businesses are different. Everybody's checkbook is kind of the same in the same way that your keyboard is kind of the same. Right. When you start to get into a business, you know, there's a lot of decisions that those businesses have made in the path or their bookkeepers have made or their HR people have made that basically have to be understood and have to be converted, you know, and, and, and mapped to this functionality. And it's, it's sometimes right. it's really simple. Okay. Right. But a lot of the time it's not right. right. A lot of the time, you know, it's hard. Right. And then there's the differences among various businesses. So there's this whole layer of um, sort of CRM sort of, you know, uh, project management software that's very, very industry specific. Like yes. I was having a conversation with a gentleman from a sign shop, runs, runs a sign shop in California. There is software specific to the sign shop industry. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, there's, sign, there's software specific to real estate, yep. to sign shops, to what was I heard one the other day that was just absolutely, yeah. So college, so we, we do we do work in college athletics. We do right. we raise for college sports, you know, for, for college sports teams. And, and, you know, there's a whole, there's a whole software package that basically manages the sale of sponsorships for college athletic right right? Right, right. right. Which and, very unique I, I, yeah. this and I was like, really? And it was what, like, what, yeah. would, what would be really interesting is, are there three competitors operating in that same? Because, there are two. Yeah, because the sign shop, I forgot the names of them. I wrote them down somewhere. There were th- yeah. was making a choice between three or four of these sign shop. I mean, maybe a little broader than sign shops, but similar types of businesses that. No, I know, and actually, that you know, the, the, you know, what you're saying actually illustrates an interesting fact, which is that there is this kind of, uh, you know, this this phenomenon, what I call the general to specific case phenomenon, right? Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, you need a piece of, of accounting software, great, okay, and now you're running the sign shop. Okay, yep. you know, or you CRM, right? You know, and now you have to basically go in and configure. It. I mean, you take a product that is as entry level as pipe drive, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, which we, you know, because it's got so many hooks into things. Okay, right. you still have to spend a couple of weeks figuring out what you want to do mm-hmm. and laying out pipe drive and configuring your reports and then if your model changes or you discover something else, you have to go back in, you have to do it again, and it's not trivial. Right, right, right. Yeah. You know, and it's not trivial on two levels. One is you really have to think about what you're trying to do. And the other is you actually have to be able to use the software. And it gets to a point where it, the, 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 you know, the general versus specific case gets so specific that a lot of complexity, you right. know, enters into the, you know. Right. And then you have to teach your salespeople how to use it. Right. Which is another going in premise for our tech adoption index was that the notion, and I think you've probably, we've all seen this into it data that basically says 70% of a small business's day is spent doing crap that they, that has nothing to do with the service delivery that, you know, got them into business in the first place. It's, I think yeah. it's a, it's a truthy kind of data point. I think everyone would sort of say that feels yeah. about right, you know, given yeah. how my day is spent. Yeah. Um, 
And the presumption is that the movement to the cloud, all these tools solves or at least mitigates that issue. I believe it has the potential to do that. But what we're describing here in this call is that, or in this conversation is that uh, it doesn't always work out that way, right? No. And I mean, honestly, Charlie, that's one of the reasons why you have managed service providers in the IT space. Right. Right. That's why you have, uh, you know, 60 people who are certified in QuickBooks in New Mexico alone. Right. Right. You know, basically help small businesses make that transition, right? Right, right, right. You know, I honestly believe, and I mean, you know, this is one of my contrarian points, right? It was uh-huh. one of the things that I set out to do, you know, with the precursor company to Boomtime and with Boomtime itself is to figure out how to do this managed service model in a way that can scale. Right. Because I just, you know, because you can basically, you know, theoretically you've got one of these full stack packages. I mean, you can spend a ton of your time you know, making sure everything's running right, right? you know, and, right. and you have to, you know, there's an opportunity cost element where you have to look at it and say, you know, is this a good use of my time or is it better for me to hire somebody right. who's going to do this integration and watch all this stuff for me, you know, and counsel me in terms of how I should set this stuff up, right? right. And, you know, my argument is unless you're running a hot dog stand, you're probably better off, you know, you know, finding somebody who actually, is really good at that, and that, and somebody who's good at the full stack right. platform. Okay. Well, I right. think there is an emerging um, business, which I guess you could call them like a cloud services broker or cloud services managed, like a, a consultant who manages that layer for the small business. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I think that's probably not something for very small businesses, but but our uh, our survey kind of is showing that. Very, very small businesses aren't really big up, uh, big, the uptake among super small businesses is not as great as it is among, say, businesses once you get about 10 employees. So that's, you've got a little bit of size to the business. You probably, um, you might be saving two employees by moving everything to the cloud, but you may have to outsource a little bit more to have somebody help you make that cloud platform right. work for you. So there's right. a bit of a trade-off, yeah. but it probably nets out to the positive for that business. So far as we've seen, it does. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. really mapped to this opportunity cost question in terms of, you know, of, of, you know, because there are two aspects of this, right? You've got two IT guys in your organization who are managing, you know, a bunch of servers in the back end, you know, and, and things don't always work well, you know, and you're paying those two guys, you know, $120,000 between them or $100,000 between them. Mm-hmm. And I mean, service provider comes in who basically has a, you know, an Azure, you know, platform and 365, et cetera. And they say, look, I'll do this for you for $60,000 right. a year. You know, that's not a very hard decision to make. I mean, it yep. is hard in terms of, oh, my God, I'm walking out onto the onto the plank, sure. you know, and I'm going to jump off, right? But I don't have those guys to yell at, even if I'm maybe paying them too much. At least I can yell at them when things aren't working. Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, that's a that's a that's a pretty you know that's a pretty you know I don't that's know, an expensive sure that. luxury. I get it, but uh, you know, <laughs> I'm just saying that would be the comfort level um, uh, hurdle for for some businesses to clear. I, I think that that's true, but I also think that you know that one of the things, and it's one of the things that I've seen in the research that you've done, is there's no question about the fact that people understand that they need to do this. Yes. I think that the issue more than anything else is how and mm-hmm. with whom 
things, right? I think that, you know, that one of the things that comes clear, because I've listened, you know, I've listened to you at a couple of different shows and I've read it and I think, you know, mm-hmm. everybody knows. There's no question about that. The question is, you know, is how do you go about doing it in a way that minimizes risk, you know, and, and, and ensures that, you know, that the transition is, is reasonably successful, right? right? And I think that one of the things that happens is that people actually, you know, have to look in the mirror and go, can I do that? And in a lot of cases, I think that basically they go, no, I don't think so, right? You know, I need to find somebody to do that for me. Okay, so full confession, there was a little bit more to that interview, but we sort of had some difficulty on the line, so I sort of uh, ended it there. But I think that kind of illustrated uh, the, the gist of the conversation, which was just all about this notion of, you know, the challenges, the uphill challenges of, of really bringing small businesses into the cloud in a uh, in a full suite in an integrated fashion. I don't think it made an argument that that can't be done. I think it just sort of was a reality check on how challenging it can be. So anyway, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. If anyone's interested in uh, being a guest on the pod, I think you have an interesting angle on this whole tech adoption development that we're tracking, please email me at charles at the lsa.org. And also, if you're interested in being a sponsor of the podcast, you can also reach me there and we can discuss it. So thanks again and have a great day. joining us for today's episode of On Target. If you have any questions or would like to be connected with today's speakers, please email communications at the LSA.org. Have a great day.